Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Table fam, how are we feeling tonight? Yeah, hey, if I have not had a chance to meet you, my name is Isaac. I'm the pastor around here at the table and part of our leadership team. And man, we are so grateful just for another Tuesday. Did y'all miss last week? I miss I'm I missed y'all. Is that okay? Can I say that I missed y'all? I think just two weeks. So if you're it's your first time here, we did not have the table last week. And man, just two, uh, one week of not having a table just feels like eternity. I'm just really happy to see your beautiful faces. Um, I can also tell. Did you enjoy Thanksgiving? Is there like a Thanksgiving food that was like that was the bomb? Mac and cheese, mac and cheese fans. Mac and cheese. Okay, any uh, uh, roasted turkey fans? Okay, pulled pork. No, I just got I went to Puerto Rican. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Free food. <laughs> hey, well, uh, regardless of whatever you ate or did not eat on Thanksgiving, man, we're just so grateful that you're hanging out with us on a Tuesday night. Um, so we've been in a series called Modern Romance, where we've been navigating love, sex, and dating. Um, and we've talked about love, and we've talked about dating, and tonight we're talking about sex. Um, so we have the privilege of hearing, uh, not from me, but we have the privilege of hearing from a very good friend, uh, Britt Nelson. So give it up for Britt. Now, so some of us know Britt. You may, you may know Britt as um, being over groups here at the table, which she is. You may know Britt from being an amazing one-on-one conversationalist, which she is. Um, something you may not know about Britt, um, along with being over our groups and along with meeting many of you, um, is that she's been part, she's the longest tenured person that's been part of our young adult team. She's been part of our young adult team for five years and has seen all the transition and all the seasons of the table. So she brings so much wisdom to navigating through how to do young adult ministry, and I rely a lot on Bridge. Like, hey, have we done this before? Yes, Isaac, we did this four years ago. I was like, oh, okay, great. Thank you, Britt, for letting me know. Um, As well as just such a good friend to to many of us as well. And part of the reason Britt is speaking tonight um, is because she just has so much wisdom uh, when it comes to talking about sex, when it comes to talking about this topic, she just, um, just yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to steal steal her thunder here, but I'm just really excited. And when we were thinking through who would be the best person um, to talk to us tonight, it was Britt Nelson. So Britt, I'm so honored to hear from you tonight. So give it up for Britt. Hello, friends. Can y'all hear me? Okay. Awesome. Hey, normally I am the girl that is up here doing announcements and none of you are listening to me. And uh, the ironic part is that all of you are listening to me because I'm talking about sex tonight. I've never made eye contact with this many of you at one time. Uh, So that's a good change of pace. But hey, tonight we are talking about sex. And I know for a lot of you, when you have seen this graphic, the only word that you have seen the entire time is the word sex. Um, you have went through Dan's message with singleness. You're like, yeah, 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 that's really, really good. He did a great job, but like, let's get to sex. And then it went to dating and you're like, I want to hear what the church has to say about sex. And then we went into family and you were like, come on, what is going on here? I want to hear about sex. And so tonight we finally get to do that. And I know walking into this room that every single person in this room has had a different experience in church with sex. Um, some of you are coming into this room and you have never, 
ever (laughs) been to a church service of any kind that has mentioned the word sex. They've always gone around it. It's always been like this weird topic that not a lot of people would talk about. Um, Or you grew up in purity culture, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, where it was something that was talked about, but maybe a little bit shameful, maybe a little bit like, oh, guilt and shame, and you felt guilt and shame when you left. Um, Maybe it's something that your family openly, healthily talked about. And maybe you grew up in a Christian family and applause to you because that is rare. It is rare to have a healthy conversation about sex. But regardless of where you come in tonight, I would like to offer us a healthy view of sex. But I want to start with two disclaimers that I think are the most important before I get into it so you know my opinion up front. The first disclaimer tonight is that sex is amazing. Number one, everyone's like, ooh, she said that. Risky. Uh, Sex is amazing. And here's the deal. If someone in church has ever told you that sex was not amazing, it's because they've never done it. Hot take. Um, Sex is incredible. And I, and I know that I might be the first person on stage here tonight in a church service that has ever told you anything similar to that. Maybe you grew up in church and they told you that sex was not for fun. It was not for pleasure. It was only for procreation. And I am sorry, but they were wrong. Like, I need you to wipe that clean and come in tonight knowing my opinion that sex is amazing. And my second disclaimer tonight before we get into the message is that everyone in this room has sexual baggage of some kind. Every single person in this room has some kind of sexual baggage. And I think it looks a lot differently for all of you. Every individual person, it's completely different. For some of you, it might be, um, you know, that you hooked up last night or everything that I'm going to talk about today, you're not going to listen to and you hook up tonight. And I need you to know that that's okay and we accept you here and you are loved equally. Maybe it's in high school that you went a little bit too far with your boyfriend. That's fine too. But on the flip side, maybe sexual baggage looks like for you that you grew up in a Christian family and they didn't never had the healthy birds and the bees talk. And you ended up getting curious about it because no one talked to you. And so out of curiosity, you turned to pornography. And that's been something that you've been dealing with for 5, 10, 15 years and know that we see you tonight and that is sexual baggage. Maybe your sexual baggage goes even further than that on the Christian side. Maybe you grew up in a very conservative family and you've never done anything sexual. Maybe you've never had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but you feel really, really behind everybody else. And you look at all of your friends, you look at everybody in church, you're like, man, they know way more than me when it comes to sex. And that is also sexual baggage. All of it equally is sexual baggage. And I would love to talk to you about a healthy view of all of it tonight. Um, A few weeks ago, Isaac talked about in the beginning of the series, hookup culture versus purity culture. Who remembers that? Hookup culture versus purity culture. He gave his perspective, but I would love to give you my perspective because it is very, very different because I have felt the extremes of both of these in my life, ironically. 
I grew up, for those of you who don't know my story, I grew up in a very non-Christian home. Um, Still to this day, not one person on either side of my family is a believer. I am the only believer in my entire family. And it, it was a weird situation. I grew up in a very underprivileged part of town. I grew up in a city right outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. And this city is the heroin capital of the world. It still holds that title today. Um, the majority of what you're going to find if you drive through my hometown is a lot of drugged up people. And it looks like, my husband Mike always says, it looks like we're going through like the set of World War Z. That's kind of what my hometown looks like. It's pretty terrible. Um, And sex and drugs, filling the time with sex and drug was not uncommon. And it was not uncommon in my family either. Um, And my family very much joked openly about sex. It was not something that was, um, you know, properly talked about. I never had a birds and the bees conversation. And I remember when I was five or six, I had my first exposure to sex, my first exposure to provocativeness. My mom had ended up moving in with a guy because my parents were divorced. She ended up moving in in with a guy that is now my stepdad. They've been together for 23 years. And I remember being five or six years old, walking into my mom's boyfriend's office at their house. And I remember looking at his 90s, old 90s computer screen, okay? And at the time, if you guys remember in the 90s, with old computers, there were two options for screensavers, okay? You guys know where I'm going with this. It was either you save image as, and then you right click, and there's like a stretch image or like a repeat the same image over and over and over again 60 times. Those were, those were the two options. And you never chose stretch image because that was awful. Um, it looked terrible. The, the repeating image was just a better option. So I remember as a five or six-year-old walking into my stepdad's office and seeing a repeating photo on his computer of a fully naked woman at five or six years old. And I was like, huh, I don't know if this is normal, but maybe, I don't know. My my parents never talked to me about birds and the bees, so I was like, I don't know. And then fast forward, I remember finding magazines um, in our bathroom by the toilet, full Playboy nudity magazines. I remember going downstairs in his man cave at seven, eight years old, and there just being sex posters everywhere. And it's still the case today, which is a very awkward conversation topic when I go home for the holidays. Um, there's just posters everywhere, girls in bikinis and Sports Illustrated. And my entire family thought that that was completely normal. Like still to this day, my mom's like, yeah, it's the man cave, what are you gonna do? And I'm like, no, this is not normal. <laughs> normal people don't do this. And that was kind of my first exposure to that, which ended up manifesting itself when I was 15. I remember my sophomore year of high school, I, uh, there was one guy in our uh, school that was considered the hot bad boy. And every one of you in this room, every girl in this room, if you went to public school, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Okay? There is no way you don't know who I'm talking about. The like sexy, hot, bad boy that every girl wanted to be with. And I remember every single girl in my school wanted to be with him. And I had like no interest. I was just doing my own thing. And he wanted to be with me. And I have never felt more loved, more wanted. Oh my gosh, the hot bad boy that might be a drug dealer wants to be with me? Are you kidding? It's amazing. This is how non-Christians think about these things. Um, 
And so I uh, start dating this guy who was the hot bad boy of my school. And I remember being 15, and this is before we all had cell phones texting. So I'm, I'm passing him in the hallway, and he like hands me a note, which was like the thing that we did in high school. And I remember going to my math class and sitting down and reading it. And at the end of this really long love note, because you know that leading up to this question, he's got to seem slick. So then it's like, you're so beautiful, live your eyes, blah, blah, blah. And I get to the end of the note, and uh, it basically says, for lack of a better term, do you want to have sex tonight after school? And not knowing a healthy view of sex, I uh, was like, yeah. Because what do you do when you don't grow up in a healthy family and you have literally no idea what a healthy sex life looks like? And that started 10, 15 years of uh, having sex or hooking up with long-term boyfriends, short-term boyfriends, people I didn't know at those weird teen clubs when we were in high school. And all of these things, it started a long, long time of just trying to rewire my brain of what sex looked like. And can I tell you a secret that not a lot of people are going to tell you behind a pulpit is that it didn't stop when I got saved. I think that's what every single person wants you to believe in church, but no, 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 no. It didn't stop when I got saved. It actually was the majority of it was after I got saved because it took me 10 to 15 years of counseling and rewiring my brain of what I had known in my family and what these boys had taught me and all of these things to even start to figure out what healthy sex looked like. But on the flip side of that, I got saved when I was 16, so a year after um, I had sex for the first time. And I got saved into a, ironically, a very, very conservative church. Very rules-based, very law-based, which was awesome for me at the time. It was like the army when, when people say, man, the structure for me was great. That was me with church. I was like, I need you to tell me when I need to wake up, when I need to go to bed, what I need to do, what music I need to listen to. And that was what I needed at the time. But it did prove... <laughs> in the conservative church to be a lot of very awkward moments, okay? Coming from this extreme side of things where no one had taught me anything, I had never set foot in a church before, to being 16 years old and being full-blown in a rules-oriented church, it provided for some very awkward moments. And I remember at the height of purity culture, I'm 16, it's about two months after I get saved, and my youth pastor's wife invites us over, all the youth girls, for like a youth group girls' night, okay? I have no idea what to expect. I didn't know Christian culture. I didn't know there was like the weird clicky stuff with girls. I didn't know any of that stuff. So I had no, I had no idea what was going on. And we, we go to their house, and I walk down, and they're like, it's in the basement. And I'm like, that's weird. Um, so we're walking down in the basement. And keep in mind, I already think that this place is a cult. So I'm like, I could be joining a cult. I don't know. So they're like, it's in the basement. So I'm walking down in the basement and it's completely dark and dim. Like it's a seance. We're going to have a seance. I know what's going to happen. And we go down and there is a homemade built stage. I'm guessing by the youth group leader's husband's um, in the middle of her basement that's covered in red carpet, okay? It looks like something out of New York Fashion Week. A homemade, though. And so, and then there's a curtain, like if the curtain is here, so you couldn't see who was coming out onto this runway, this walkway. 
I was like, okay, okay, okay. So we go through the night, and they had hired some people to do, like, pedicures and manicures and massages. I was like, this is amazing. Free massage at 16? I mean, come on, man. And so we all, and then my youth pastor's wife says, okay, everybody, like, gather around the stage. And they they drop the, the lights, and I kid you not, the violin version of It Is Well starts playing. Like I am in the middle of a Hobby Lobby, okay? I am walking in Hobby Lobby and the violin version of It Is Well starts playing and I'm like, what is going on? So each youth youth leader, youth group girls leader, starts walking out and they put on what they call a purity fashion show. Yes, yes, all of you are like, no, yes. That's exactly what they did. To somebody that has no cultural understanding of church, I think all church people are weird. And they're (laughs) in like floor-length jean skirts with sweaters. And they're like, they're like rocketed. They think they're in New York Fashion Week with like violin version of it as well. And they're like, boom, boom, pose, pose. And And I'm like, what is going on? This place is a cult. To make matters worse, we we go up after onto this big bonfire outside and my youth pastor's wife hands me a paper, a piece of paper, and it was a contract, okay? All of you, yes, yes. All of you know who grew up in youth group, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it was the true love waits contract. Yeah. Someone in the back was like, yes. It was a true love waits contract, and it basically was this long piece of paper that said, you'll never have sex before marriage, you're vowing all of these things, blah, 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 blah. You sign a a piece, like a, a line at the bottom, and then they give you a ring and you put it on, and at that point, truly, I was like, I have signed my life away, like Ariel signing away her voice. It's over. It's done. Signed it away. I've joined a call. We're going to move to a compound and drink the Kool-Aid. That's, that is where, that is where I'm at. And I think a lot of you in this room, maybe if you haven't felt the extreme of both of those, maybe you felt something in the middle. Maybe you have felt one or the other. Maybe you're walking in this room tonight and you are in the middle of hookup culture. You're like, my life is great. Don't touch it, Brit. Don't talk about it. Maybe you are in the middle of pure purity culture which purity culture is not bad. It just provides service of weird and creepy moments sometimes. But maybe that's what you grew up in. But maybe in the purity culture, you've grown up thinking and judging every other person that has ever been in hookup culture. Or maybe in hookup culture, you have grown up thinking that every person that is in purity culture is weird. But I would hopefully provide a healthy view of a little bit in the middle of what the Bible actually says and not what culture or Christian culture is teaching us. So we're going to be in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 15 through 20. And while you're turning there, um, I want to give you guys a little bit of context on 1 Corinthians. So Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, and this is a new body of believers, okay? They don't know a lot about what's going on. Uh, They're very uh, amateurs at this whole Christian culture thing. And Paul has heard about a lot of the sketchy stuff that's been going on. 
And if you, dig, if you deep dive into the book of 1 Corinthians, and maybe no one's told you this before, um, Corinth was called the Las Vegas of the Bible, okay? Corinth was the, as one scholar called it, the sexual capital of the world at that time. And you guys think that our world now is crazy? No, 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 no. Listen, um, in Corinth, and this is mostly for believers, this is believer men that were doing this, not just pagan men, whatever, this is, this is Christian men. You would walk through the city of Corinth and on either side of the street, the main road, um, there would be fully naked prostitutes on either side. And you would be walking and men would be walking and they would be like, yep. And then to make matters worse, they would go, have sex in public, they're not going back to a house, they're not going in a car, nothing, and then they just go on like that is totally normal. And that was the context that Paul is writing to because a lot of these people in Corinth that were a part of this church were doing this, and he had heard about it, and he was like, no, 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 man, that's not the way of the Lord. You guys don't know how serious this is. And so that is what we're getting into with the context of 1 Corinthians 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20, verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies of members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. First thing I want to notice in the text is that, number one, sex is powerful. Sex is powerful. And we know this because Paul, when he first starts off saying this, is basically saying, listen, hey, people of Corinth in this new church, do you not know that your body that you are defiling, that you are just picking out prostitutes in public, do you not know that your body is a member of Christ? He's basically like, come on, man. You know better than this. You know better than this. And he would not be pleading with them, flee from sexual immorality. He would not be pleading with them if it was not serious. He's saying, be careful what your bodies, they're an instrument for the gospel. Be careful. Sex is powerful. And we know, I think all of us in this room could sit here and never argue that sex is powerful because we know it because it's all the media sells. If you turn on your TV, if you watch any movie, any TV show, if you open your TikTok, if you open your Instagram, Twitter, if you walk in the mall, for us girls, if we walk into Victoria's Secret, if you see a picture in the mall of someone from Victoria's Secret, sex sells. Even in marketing, if you study marketing, they will tell you that sex sells. It makes us do things that we would never do otherwise if they're selling sex. And that is not just selling sex to men, that is selling sex to women as well. It makes us do things that we wouldn't normally do. That is 
pure, pure power because sex is the most powerful form of intimacy apart from intimacy with Jesus. Sex is the most powerful form of intimacy apart from the intimacy of Jesus. Because in the text, he talks about how sex, sexual immorality, is the only sin that you sin against your own body. Okay, if we go back to verse 18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. It is the only sin that if you are thinking of like, man, what are the things that I feel the most shame and guilt for? Sex would probably be at the top of the list. I think Isaac said earlier, I've been working here for almost six years now. I've been working in churches for almost 10 years. So you could say that I have a tiny bit of experience of doing one-on-ones with you guys, of doing one-on-ones with young adults of talking to you about some pretty serious things that have gone on in your life, not only in Orlando, but in other churches as well. And I have never one time had someone come up to me after a service and be like, hey, Britt, in a really low voice, hey, Britt, can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, we can go talk. Let's go in the back. So we go privately and they're like, hey, um, this one time in middle school, I cheated on a test and uh, it haunts my every memory. And uh, I can't get over it. Um, So is there any way you could pray for forgiveness for me? Because it's all I think about. And no, it's never, it is never something like that. Unfortunately, a lot of the time, and this was my story as well, it is, hey, Britt, this is something I did 10 years ago. And I still think about it. Hey, this is something that I didn't want to do last night even after being a believer, but I did it anyway. Hey, I looked at this thing for way too long this past week. I spent too many hours looking at it, and that is not just men, that's women as well. Why is that? Why does it hold this this power over our minds? It's because sex is powerful. And I don't think any of us tonight would ever say that it wasn't. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I uh, own a small business. Maybe some, (laughs) some, (laughs) thanks for supporting my products. Um, I own a small business and it feels like that 50% of my week is spent shipping items, okay? I have probably solely alone shipped more items than all of you combined in this room now up into your life and everything that you're going to do from here on out to the day you die. I will probably ship more items than you. And it's, it's a majority of what I spend my week doing. And so I know a lot about a few things. I know a lot about boxes, different kind of boxes, I know a lot about sizing of boxing. I know way more than a normal average person needs to know about boxes. And I know a lot about tape. (laughs) A lot. More than the average person. If you ever need help shipping anything, let your girl know. I know way more about the post office than I should. And here I have a roll of duct tape. And someone's like, ooh, love duct tape. Here I have a roll of duct tape. And you've heard the saying before that if something's broken, just put duct tape on it. Anyone from the South has heard that before. Um, And I have some photos here of some things that people have done with duct tape that were a little bit extreme. First photo is uh, someone fixed an entire tree. 
with duct tape. They, uh, there was apparently a hurricane and they were like, what do we do? Nope, can't throw the tree away, let's just fix it with duct tape. So there you go. The next one, someone fixed a tire. So if you ever have a flat tire, just keep a roll of duct tape. And the next one, this is my favorite, someone literally made a boat <laughs> out of duct tape. But I love the little detail that in the corner of the boat, it says fixed it. Like you didn't fix anything, you just made that entire thing out of duct tape. And I don't know, Mike and I were talking today about how long this girl lasted in this boat, but she at least got a, a photo of it, so that's good. Hey, we can all sit here and agree that duct tape is powerful. Um, it's something I think we've all grown up thinking is uh, something that you could fix anything with, okay? And we would all agree that it's a powerful tool, but I think we could also sit here and agree that duct tape can be destructive. When I was talking to my friends today, I was like, give me some destructive things that people can do with duct tape. <laughs> and one of my friends said, haven't you seen those photos of people like taping, duct taping people to the back of doors and dorm rooms as like a prank? And I was like, you're not wrong. If I was to take a piece of this duct tape right now, and if I was to tear this off and put it on my hair, every single girl and my husband would scream. They would be like, absolutely not. Never put that near your hair. It will rip it out. Sex is a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool, and it can also be used for destruction, and I think the same can be said about sex. I think sex is an incredibly powerful tool, but I think a lot of times society tries to convince us that it's not very powerful, and it is. And it can be used for destruction. Remember the duct tape as we keep going. Number two, sex is not just physical. Sex is not just physical. I think the one thing that society wants to tell us right now as young adults is that sex is just physical. If you don't believe me, look in movies, look at Tinder. Why is Tinder and dating apps such a big deal? Tinder's huge. If you buy into stock of Tinder, it's just going up. It's getting more and more and more popular. This is why I've had conversations with young adults who have friends with benefits. And they think it's fine. Because society is trying to tell us more and more and more and more over time that sex is just physical. Go back with me to verse 16 and 17. Paul says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. When I read that, I'm going to be really honest, um, I grew up in the church world thinking, and even in my young married life, thinking that becoming one flesh with someone only happened when you got married. Has anybody else ever thought that? You go to a wedding and they're like, the two, you may kiss the bride, the two are now one flesh. And then you joke about it. But the reality that the Bible talks about, which I've never heard spoken about in church before, is that every time you have sex with someone, you become one flesh with that person. Every single time. And I'm not just talking about intercourse. I'm talking about anything sexual. 
Every time you have sex with someone, you become one flesh with them. And that is not my words. That is the Bible words. Now, uh, science is backing up what the Bible has said for thousands of years, which I think is pretty cool. We have a photo here of the hormone oxytocin. Any of my medical people ever heard of oxytocin? There's one, two, three, four, okay. Oxytocin is a hormone that is known as the bonding hormone, the attachment hormone. It's been nicknamed the love hormone, okay? And oxytocin, typically women, have 10 times more oxytocin than men, okay? Basically what that means is that women are able to bond with someone 10 times faster than a man. This is not my words, this is science, okay? Don't come at me. Uh, Women are able to bond 10 times faster with someone than men. This is why when I go back to the connection lounge and there's a new person with a woman who is volunteering at connection lounge, they're already crying and they met like five minutes ago. Or I go into Faith Hall and you guys are having one-on-ones with each other and you're bawling your eyes out and you met 10 minutes before that. This is why. It's because women have 10 times the amount of oxytocin as men. Oxytocin is also the hormone that women feel when they have a baby and they can forget every single ounce of pain that they just experience because of the love and bonding and attachment that they feel when they have a baby. That's why if you try to pry a baby out of a new mother's hands, they will cut you so fast. It's because, and you're like, you just met that baby 10 seconds ago. But it's because this release of oxytocin is released. And they feel the most intense bond and attachment that they never, ever want to be ripped away. And here's the one exception. The one exception when men and women feel the exact same amount of oxytocin And, this is crazy, it's the same amount as a mother having a baby is when you have sex. The one time. The one time that men and women feel the same amount and it's at the same level of a mother having a baby is during sex. It's the only time. It's the only time that can be recorded. And I think that's really crazy because it's backing up with science, what the Bible has been saying for thousands of years. It's saying that when you have sex with someone, you are so bonded to that person. There is an attachment that is made that is unexplainable. Which is why scientifically and biblically, sex cannot just be physical. You cannot have friends with benefits. You can't. You cannot sit here and say, oh yeah, I just have friends with benefits. It's no big deal. Okay, let's test that theory out because this is also what I believed when I was in high school, when I was hooking up even after becoming a Christian. Why is it that sex is the only thing, if we have sex with someone of the opposite gender, why is it, why is it that that is the person that you're spending your nights looking up on Instagram, on Facebook, even if it is a friends with benefits situation? Why is it that you're so upset if they're getting married? Why is it that you're so upset 
looking at their life, thinking about what your life would still be like with them. Because it, it cannot scientifically just be physical. It can't, biblically or scientifically. The problem is not that sex is bad. The problem is that sex is so good. The problem is not that sex is so bad. The problem is that sex is so good because God designed sex to be this intense attachment, this bond that you, it, it has not been made to rip apart. I said earlier that um, sex was duct tape. If I can rip this apart on stage, we'll see what happens. Now, imagine that I put this on my hand, okay? <laughs> I, am <laughs> I am instantly regretting this analogy. I just need y'all to know. Imagine that sex is duct tape. What's going to happen if I rip this off? It's gonna, that's right. Pain. It's going to be painful. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, but what happens if I put it back on? It loses stickiness. It loses power. It's not as painful. I think for a lot of my life, this is how I viewed sex. Was if I just did it enough with enough people that over time it would get less and less painful and less and less hard. It was just another person, just another guy I was dating, no big deal. But here's the reality now is that I realized way later on in life, way later than I should have, that that was never, ever, ever the case. You want to know why? Because sex was made to have one attachment, one bond with one person, and it always, every single time, got more painful, and it got more hard, and it never, ever got less painful. That's why. It's because biblically and scientifically, sex was meant to bond with one person. Sex is not just forming physical bonds, it's forming spiritual bonds. Sex is not just forming physical bonds, it's forming spiritual bonds. We talked earlier about how sex was the only sin against your own body. And that's because it's a sin, they say, scholars say, a sin of the soul. It's not just affecting your outsides, everyone around you, it's affecting you. It's the only sin that deep down to your core of your soul you think about at night. It's because it's a spiritual bond. It's a spiritual sin. But number three, purity is possible. Purity is possible. I think up until this point, <laughs> everyone's been like, Brit, this is really intense. Um, you've been talking a lot about all the wrongs of sex and all the wrongs of sex and everything going wrong. But here's the deal. I want to offer you hope tonight because this is what's amazing. Paul, before he got into all 
of that very intense rules and laws and all of these things. If you back up 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9, this is what you're going to see. Paul says before he gets into the law. Verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You're like, Brit, I thought there was grace. This is saying that none of those people will inherit the, God, the kingdom of God, but here's the deal. And such were some of you. He's talking to the church in Corinth. But, but, you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. That's good news. Because Paul doesn't start with truth, he starts with grace. I think maybe a lot of you in this room grew up thinking, and maybe still today, you think that purity is only possible if you don't do anything sexual before marriage. You grew up believing that someone was pure or unpure based on if they were a virgin or not a virgin. I knew I, I know I grew up thinking that in church and youth group. Oh, if I have sex before marriage, then that means that I am unpure for life. And then I get married and then I have sex with the right person, but I'm still impure before that. Because purity is only something that can happen if you never do anything sexual before you get married. But that's not biblical. Because what we see in this text here is that Paul is saying, he's talking about purity. He's saying, listen, some of you were adulterers. You cheated on your spouse. Some of you were sexually immoral and you were the man or woman that was walking down the street looking at prostitutes. Some of you are thieves and you've stolen things from the body of Christ. But listen, but you were washed. You were sanctified. Purity is possible because purity is not a record of wrongs. Purity is about intention. Purity is not a record of wrongs. Purity is about intention. No matter your past, you can be washed clean tonight if you would allow it. I mentioned earlier that sex equals duct tape, <laughs> but I want to also add another analogy that we need to think of a person as a box. Okay, so sex equals duct tape, people equals box. Okay, and I think for a majority of my life, this is how I felt. Was this box right here. I think for a majority of my life, especially post coming to know Jesus, I personally felt like a unusable, dirty, washed up woman that could never be used for the kingdom. I felt like this box, I felt like I had had so many sexual partners that no man would ever want to marry me and he would never ever want to do ministry or be a partner in ministry with me. And that's how I spent the majority of my life, even after getting saved, even after working at this church. This is how I felt. 
And Satan, at night, I would be laying there, and he would whisper into my head, you're a whore, you're a slut, you're a prostitute, you're dirty. Why would anybody want to marry you? That's how I spent the majority of my life. Without telling too much of his story, um, this is how my husband, now Mike, felt for the majority of his life. And I'm not going to tell you, I'm not going to air out his dirty laundry because that's for him to do in a one-on-one. But this is also how my husband felt. A unusable, dirty box of a person that no woman who ever wanted to do actual ministry would ever want to marry. But here's what's cool. Is that through counseling and grace and Jesus, this is what God made. A perfect, clean box that was not dirty, didn't have dirt on it, perfectly taped. And Mike and I now, in our marriage, get to bond with duct tape over and over and over. (laughs) He's probably turning red over there. Um, We get to bond with duct tape over and over and over again, and I never have to worry about ripping it off. Never have to worry about ripping it off. Because here's the deal. Some of you are in here tonight, and you're like, listen, Britt, I'm single, I'm not married, and I get that. Maybe some of you are called to singleness for life, and maybe you have a sexual past with pornography, with having sex, with going a little bit too far. And that's all okay, because here's the deal. Sex in marriage doesn't make you pure. Jesus makes you pure. Sex in marriage doesn't make you pure. Jesus makes you pure. I'm not sitting here tonight telling you that you're going to be pure and be washed clean. And then when you get married, Jesus will wash it all clean and it's a clean slate. No, 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 no. Listen. As someone who is married here tonight, who is in your shoes, as somebody who is single, who spent a majority of their life in singleness. Because I don't want you to think that I'm as a married person getting up here and you're like, oh, she's married, what does she know? No, not too long ago, I was sitting where you're sitting. And now being on the other side of things, I need you to listen to me. I believed that I was going to become pure if someone was willing to marry me. And then once I got in marriage, I would be pure sexually. Because it was a clean slate, it started over, and it only happened the day that I got married. No, friends, listen to me. You can be washed clean tonight because purity is not about what you've done. Purity is about where you're going. Purity is about intention. Because God sees you right now as this. He sees you as a whole box, a clean box, an undirty box. And it doesn't matter if you watched porn last night. It doesn't matter if who you've hooked up with, how many people you've hooked up with. It doesn't matter because this is how Jesus sees you. And I spent far too long thinking that Jesus saw me as this, but he never did. He never did. It was all in my head. Jesus has only ever seen me as this. And he sees you as this. Listen to me. Purity is possible moving forward with Jesus. 
purity is possible moving forward with Jesus. I don't want you to walk out of this room tonight thinking that you are unpure because of your past. You can walk out of this room tonight and tell people that you are pure. Right now, in this seat, tonight, you can walk out knowing that you are pure regardless of where you've been, regardless of who you have hooked up with, regardless of everything that you did last night. You can walk out of this room knowing tonight that you are pure if you'll let him. If you'll let him. Tonight, we're gonna have some people down front ready to pray with you. And listen, when I say this, I know that this is heavy. I know a lot of you might feel this way and you just want someone right now to hug you and pray over you and we would love to do that. There is no judgment. There is no shame in this room. We are all broken and we are all coming into this room tonight with the exact same baggage, the same exact baggage. All of us have sexual baggage. So we are gonna have some people down front to pray with you if you want prayer, if you want a hug, if you wanna cry, (laughs) all of those things. We will have somebody here tonight to pray with you. Let's pray. Jesus, man, I'm thankful here tonight for my friends. I'm thankful that you and you alone are the one that washes us pure. I'm thankful that every person in this room can be washed clean with your love and your guidance and your blood, Lord. Every single person in this room is washed clean because of you. Thankful for that. I'm thankful that we never have to worry about the past And we only need to worry about our future moving forward. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.